Stop swinging the bat. Stop it! Put the bat down, Wendy. Stop it! Wendy, give me the bat. Stop swinging the bat. Please stop. Give me the bat, Wendy. Give me the bat. Give me the bat. Yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? So I had the pleasure of seeing Hereditary three weeks ago. Came out June 8th, around that time period. And I must say, I enjoyed myself thoroughly watching it. That ending, I was like, what the fuck did I just watch? Even though I kind of saw it coming in the middle or towards the end of the second act. But the end still got me. I I really wasn't expecting... I have questions, okay? I, I have questions. Some of them were answered, some of them weren't. Let's give the rundown. It's a horror flick. It was directed by newcomer Ari Aster, or Ari Aster, however he prefers to pronounce it. He was the creator of the short film, The Strange Thing About the Johnsons. Yikes. If you've seen it, yikes. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's on YouTube. And the funny thing about this short is I remember watching it back in 2011, but it didn't cause a buzz. It didn't cause a big, big buzz. There was a little buzz, but not a big buzz. It wasn't a loud buzz. The film resurfaced a couple of years ago, however, and folks went crazy. I mean, people were talking about this short all over social media. I was like, wow, you guys are like 10 years late. Come on, keep up. So if you want to check it out, take caution before watching it. It's really morbid and dark and twisted and sick, and I just use synonyms for the words. So what? You're gonna take it anyway. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Back to Hereditary. Mr. Astor said that he snagged most of his inspiration from a film that came out in 1989. It is called The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover by Peter Greenaway. The film focuses on cannibalism. I want to check it out because I like cannibalism. I'm not saying that I am a cannibalist because I don't believe in eating people, but I do like Hannibal Lecter. He's my favorite cannibalist, and he's the only cannibalist that I know. Back to Hereditary. The film stars one of my favorite actresses, Toni Collette. I've seen nearly everything she's been in. There was this point in college where I used to get really stoned and watch the United States of Terra. And in my opinion, she doesn't receive A-list actor treatment. She needs more recognition, right? Because she's brilliant. And that's why I like the broad, though, because she doesn't want that A-list actor treatment. So in the movie, she plays... Annie. Her daughter is Charlie, who's played by a young actress up and coming. I think this was her first or second film credit, Millie Shapiro. I think she came from Broadway. And her character is strange, dark, and twisted. And then there's Alex Wolf as Peter, her son. And then Gabrielle Byrne. Not sure how to say his last name, but he's Steve. He's Annie's husband. It was distributed by A24, who is, by the way, killing the game with their indie films. I like every single one of their films that they've released so far and granted they've only been around since 2012 but they've made quite a name for themselves in hollywood so far they remind me of focus feature films they got that same kind of track that indie film brilliant writing gritty really well put together filmmaking they're on that same track and i also like every single one of focus feature films as well Except the the period pieces, the ones that are pre-70s. I'm not really feeling those too much. Hereditary is filmed at Sundance this year where it got its buzz. And now people are saying it's one of the most horrifying movies to date. But we're in a new century. So anybody out there wanting to get into showbiz with a strong thirst for horror, you've got plenty of time to top it. Principal photography took place up in Utah. Whole time I thought they were in Arizona somewhere. 
I know in northern Arizona it's a lot of greenery, but this greenery was damp. It was moist, so Utah made sense. People will compare Ari and his film to many of the horror films when they were in their height. Studying the shots and atmosphere, Ari seems to be on his way to Stanley Kubrick level. I mean, I, I thought it was—I thought I was watching a Stanley Kubrick film. It was weirdly shot and super artistic, and I just think that he did a fantastic job with the pacing. It wasn't too slow. It wasn't too fast, and I was invested in each character except the dad. He was far too passive. I didn't really care for him, and I see why now. So, the top five things that caught my eye here, I'm gonna give you a top five. This is an artistic horror film. A slow burner that will all of a sudden ram you into a wall. <laughs> one of the clever scenes was the first one. Annie is a miniature artist. Didn't know that was a thing. She lives in this stupid, stupid big-ass house in the middle of a forest with her husband and two children. Mistake number one, don't ever do that. I would never live in a fucking forest by myself where my neighbors are 20 miles away from me. No, absolutely not. No, never doing that. Ever. Ever, that's some white people shit. In the first shot, we see Annie's miniature pieces. The camera pans over to a house and zooms into a room where her son, Peter, is sleeping. And moving forward, we receive lots of motifs foreshadowing and severed heads number two the acting the acting was mwah, 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 mwah. hats off to every single cast member the, the up-and-coming young actress millie shapiro came second to tony collette for me she bodied the role that little girl was, wow i mean i believed every single second of her playing that weird child tony collette bodied the role of annie too i mean that range on her th that range on her acting chops is impeccable and i felt every single thing she felt. Alex Wolf as Peter was amazing also. Although, I must admit, I wanted to slap the shit out of his scary ass, but nonetheless, it's just a flick. And if you're frustrated with the character, he or she must be doing the job right, right? Right. Number three, the illusions. The illusions were on fire, boy. Throughout the film, we start to see small writings written on the walls of Annie's miniature buildings. These writings are of an invocation spell to cast a higher power, which I found out later. There's this strange fellow with a joker smile who shows up twice. Once at Annie's mother's funeral and the other time in Peter's room at the doorstep. Butt-ass naked. It was bizarre to me. Didn't understand it until the very end. And I'm going to assume that he's the deity that the grandmother and the rest of her cult, I'm gonna call them Paimonist, worshipped. Other illusions were a severed head for a severed head. In the beginning, a pigeon slams into the window of Charlie's class window. She steals a pair of scissors, goes outside, and cuts the bird's head off. She begins to draw a bunch of severed heads in her drawing book. Now, she's allergic to nuts, and by a weird series of events, she eats a chocolate cake unbeknownst to her that is filled with nuts seconds later her brother rushes her to the hospital only they didn't make it well he made it but charlie on the verge of suffocating to death sticks her head out of the window and bam peter stops the car this scene had a strong impact on me peter knew he seemed to know what had happened he could only grip the steering wheel catch his breath and cry he never even looked back i thought that was super duper powerful see a severed head for a severed head what the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, telling a complete stranger intimate details about us. It's not about us. It's about me. It's about us! And what's all this? How much time you spend in that loo? And what's all this about a gynecologist? Who is he? It better be a she. I don't want some bloke fingering my wife about... It's a man. 
He's Jewish. And he's from Ethiopia. What? His mother is a Roman Catholic. He's been in prison in South Africa. He's as black as the ace of spades. And he probably drinks his own pee. You oh, oh, you Grandmother's got a secret. I usually try to figure out how the name of a film correlates to the, to the plot. I saw hints of the cult at the grandmother's funeral through Charlie's point of view. And for the first 30 minutes or so, Charlie is the focus, so I assumed her grandmother's soul swapped places with Charlie. Charlie's melancholy attitude, the click of the tongue, and her attraction to evil led me to believe that. But she ended up becoming a pawn in her grandmother's very, very long game. Once Charlie died, the focus shifted onto Annie, her mother. I mean, my heart broke for her. Tony Collette did a damn good job of emoting heavy drama. I mean, the moment she found out her daughter was dead, the tragedy began. And boy, did it go downhill from there. Annie's depressed, behind with the art pieces. And you can see that she has totally checked the fuck out until she shows up to a meeting for people who are having a hard time with grief. I ain't even know they had meetings like this. I mean, I wonder if there's a meeting for people who are addicted to pop, soda, soda pop. And I'm asking for myself because I can't stop drinking the shit. Blame my mama on that. After some reluctance, she goes to the meeting and we learn more about her past and her strange relationship with her mother. It's in this moment that I realized that her mother was in control of her the whole time, even though Annie tried and tried again to escape from her grip. She didn't want kids, but her mother forced her to have them. She didn't want to take care of her mother, but she forced her to do that too. Even in the afterlife, she still had a grip on Annie, and I thought that was in Insane. The cult in which her grandmother belonged to is a crafty brunch. Brunch. Bunch. They're crafty bunch people, not brunch. They were determined to finish what the grandmother started by infiltrating Annie's psyche. In the end, they won. But I still don't understand why they dug up the grandmother's body and placed it in the attic. I think I'm going to figure it out soon, though, as I keep going. Ari deserves the show, the show Not Tell award for this one. I mean, I had a great time trying to figure out what in the hell was going on here. Number five, Pyman, an unusual demon king. I didn't see this shit coming at all. I mean, that's why I adored the ending. The first person seen ended up becoming the last and most important person seen. That person was weak-ass Peter. Peter wasn't my favorite character. He was a crybaby, and his only purpose was to be a vessel for King Pyman. Prior to this, I had no idea who Pyman was. Annie, towards the end of Act 2, she learns that Joan, a member of her mother's cult, was tricking her into release Pyman's spirit so that he can possess Peter. This part is a bit fuzzy to me. I'm not sure if Peter was actually possessed because he seemed normal at the very end, so I don't know. But anyway, Pyman is a spirit that obeys Lucifer, and he's considered the third king of hell. He's also a keeper of secrets. I'm a bit torn on Pyman because he seems like a chill demon spirit. Yes, he's mischievous, but he seems to embrace people if they approach him with respect. That was evident at the end. Every family member had a taste of Pyman. 
except the father. He was just there for balance, I believe, sort of a foil to Annie. His death was confusing, however. Annie used Charlie's drawing book as a means to communicate with her after Joan showed her how to do it. She tried to burn the book and her arm caught on fire. Annie realized that she must be bound to the book, so she tried to force her husband to throw the book in the fireplace. But according to Ari Aster on Reddit, he said that Pyman was a mischievous demon like I mentioned before, and he had to show Annie that she wasn't in control like I said before, and she never will be in control. So that was what the book and the burning of the book was about. Now once the book was burned, Pyman entered Annie's body. In the beginning, I didn't understand how Pyman possessed people, but you see, Aster was showing and not telling. The first possession was Charlie, which didn't make sense to me at first glance. It's later revealed that Pyman would need a male vessel, so I crossed Charlie off the list in the beginning. But the end game was the male vessel. There was never any mention of it being impossible to use a female vessel. It was a desire, not a need. It also be that Pyman destroys the female vessel due to them being weak. Not saying that women are weak, I'm just saying maybe he just needed a male vessel because the male vessel seemed more powerful to him. Bingo. Although, <laughs> it's mentioned that the male vessel would need to be weak in order for Pyman to enter. So, there's like a, rever there's like a reverse swap thing going on there. Um, The second possession was Annie. <laughs> and it couldn't be more obvious either. Her shit was like Regan from The Exorcist. She was crawling up walls and exhibited this stupid amount of strength your boy Pyman saw he was so close to the finish line he went full demon on Peter by way of Annie that shit was bonkers man now that I'm thinking about it though something odd happened to Peter in his classroom his body began to contort and he bashed his head on the desk like a madman he seemed possessed but he wasn't at this time and I didn't get that scene and don't see how it moved the story forward but I'd have to watch it again to get a more in-depth view so where was Pyman between possessions I'm thinking he must have hidden Charlie's drawing book after he was released from her it seemed as if he could only escape when the vessel severed his or her own head or by burning as we witnessed when Annie threw the book into the fire thinking it would end her but instead it was her husband who burst into flames which further proves that Pyman has used this family's bloodline as a vessel for a long time which means the grandmother was once a vessel for Pyman this kind of makes sense when Annie goes through her mother's photo book she sees the cult praising her mother and if you paid attention the father never loses his head because Steve is unimportant and that's why I didn't really dig his character too much later on we found that the cult dug up Annie's mother's body took it to the attic of the family's house and said severed her head. That may explain how Pyman possessed Charlie. I couldn't tell though because Charlie was she was clicking her fucking tongue and cutting off pigeon heads from the beginning. This says to me that Charlie could have possibly been born with Pyman inside of her. That would explain why this film is called Hereditary, in my opinion. One must be possessed by Pyman until he finds what he's looking for throughout this bloodline. And boy, did he find it. Up in the attic, Annie's possession worsened. Pyman forced her to cut her own goddamn head off. And the cult members show up in this attic. Now, Peter jumps out the window trying to escape all of that going on up in the attic. And all of a sudden, a ring of light lands on Peter's back. It was in this moment that the ring of light finally made sense to me. The light was Pyman's spirit. Once he sees Annie hovering up to Charlie's treehouse, Peter follows her wrong move brother and then we get a shot of a jesus statue in the center of a creepy ass shrine peter discovers his headless mom and grandmother bowing down to him 
And Peter's just standing there like, what the feck is going on here? That's when Joan informs Peter that he is Pyman. And every single cult member in there is bowing down to him. And that was that. I want more. What the fuck happens? Was he really possessed? I'm not understanding the possessions. The possessions were confusing to me. I need to go back and watch it probably three more times. But I enjoyed the film. I definitely give it a 10 out of 10. It was amazing. Uh, It's not full of cheap jump scares. It's an actual story. It's an actual tragedy. And I think horrors are meant to be tragedies. It makes them more compelling and more interesting. And that's all I got. I'm out of here. Peace. (laughs) 